I don't know whether you can hear me or not. Maybe some of what I'm saying will echo through. Alright, welcome back to Trust God Bro. Today we're talking about what it means to trust God in the midst of a coronavirus and specifically uh, this this episode is going to be a little bit different for a lot of reasons, but today I have Holden Marshall with me, coming from more of a theological and philo- philosophical worldview, and where, like my background, most episodes, I come from like a biblical worldview, and so I think we're going to get a lot of different perspective than we normally would, and the question that we're going to be attacking today is specifically about this the evil, like in the world, like how do we deal with this problem of evil, and it's like a, a huge question, and it, it comes up especially with coronavirus. It's like, how could like coronavirus happen if God is completely good? And um, so we're gonna talk about that and how we can reason with that. But first of all, I want to introduce, introduce my friend Holden Marshall. And so yeah, I mean, I'm, I met him my freshman year. We were in a comm class together, and um, we got to know each other. And then uh, he reached out to me recently in an email, and he said. Um, hey, like I, this is paraphrasing, <laughs> but I want to um, be a part and just from the fact of like you have some very great insight that um, he wanted to offer. And so um, I'm looking forward to that. And I mean, you accepted Christ last year. And so um, you weren't a Christian my freshman year. And I think that was um, really cool to hear that. So anyways, um, yeah, do you want to introduce yourself and give your little background on your interest or whatever? Yeah, so uh, first off, thank you, Dayton, for <clears throat> having me here. Um, I really uh, appreciate you giving me the chance to be featured on your podcast, so thank you. Um, like Dayton said, um, my name is Holden. I am a senior, and I am graduating with a Bachelor of Arts in English and um, Philosophy. Um, and in both um, areas, I have a particular interest in theology. And um, recently, I am um, applying to several um, graduate schools because I'm seeking to get my doctorate in uh, the, uh, theology or theological studies. And as um, Dayton said, um, I am a, a Christian. Um, and to be a little bit more specific, to give um, Dayton and the rest of the audience a little bit more context and more perspective. Um, I am a Christian inquiring to be um, Catholic. So the point of views I will be um, providing and the arguments I will be providing will be um, somewhat in a um, Catholic perspective. So Mm -hmm. I hope you give a a fair listen to what I have to say. Yes. I'm I'm glad you included that. I mean, we talked about um, just our different theological beliefs last week I think on Friday maybe for about like an hour or so and just so I think that was just good just to um, get to know kind of where we're at together and talking about this episode in particular um, so yeah um, I'm, I'm excited I think let's first define theology and philosophy and then discuss why theology is important in mm-hmm. perspective of a Christian yes in perspective of, of a Christian to um, acknowledge theology so first off um, philosophy, um, you know, it's it, the Greek roots, lover of wisdom. And when you um, think of philosophy, Dayton, who do you think of? Like, who comes to your head when you think of philosophy? So, uh, I would say, like, Aristotle. 
Exactly. Yeah. You can get Aristotle, Plato, Socrates, maybe the pre-Socratics, or if you're a little bit far ahead in the game and you skipped ancient philosophy, you think of Descartes, mm-hmm. and Kant, these horrible writers, but very great um, thinkers. So that's um, philosophy, and philosophy touches based on um, primarily four topics, metaphysics, epistemology, um, logic, and ethics. And uh, moving on to theology, um, just as complex as philosophy, but to define it using the Greek roots, um, theos is God, and then you get uh, logia, I believe, which means um, utterances, and then to define that further with logos, you get reason or um, discourse. So primarily theology is um, the discourse on God, but in a more contemporary or modern sense, theology is the scholastic um, enterprise into discovering God and his truths. So, yeah, that's uh, theology and um, philosophy. And um, one of the, as you said, the, uh, the topic that we're going to be discussing today is the uh, problem of evil, which is both a philosophical and theological problem because um, when you talk about theology or at least inquire about theology you're going to encounter philosophy you can't have theology without philosophy the two are practically married um so and one of the and then the problem is the problem of um evil which you and i discussed Mm -hmm. last week correct yeah and um just to define it, if um, if you uh, would let me, um, it is uh, as J.L. Mackey. I, I've sent you the article, mm-hmm. um, or at least a summary of it, because yep. um, the article I believe I believe costs some dough. But um, the problem of evil is simply can be simply defined as J.L. Mackey as a contradiction, um, where you have the element of a holy, good, and all powerful. God, and in this context, the Christian God, um, while also having the element of evil. And those two elements contradict each other. And so the atheist would argue that being that these two elements contradict each other, the theist is faced with um, two options to choose. One, to say God is inexistent, or two, um, God is not wholly good. Mm-hmm. And so that's the claim. It's like the three things is like God is omnipotent, God is wholly good, some evil exists. Mm-hmm. And he says that like all three can't be true. You know, mm-hmm. that's what he says. And it's like, how do you reason with that? Like, how do you like think about that in your life? Of like, do you, do you agree with that or do you not agree with that? One of the arguments that I hope to bring up towards the end of this podcast is that, um, and J.L. Mackey, I believe, writes on this, is to argue that evil, one way that a theist can drive away from the problem of evil is to argue that evil is inexistent. Um, but even more so, I don't, I don't necessarily want to engage with that argument. Yeah. Um, I believe, um, St. Augustine of Hippo, he deals with, um, 
this argument very well that uh, evil is inexistent in his on on the grace of free will. Very slim dialogue. I recommend it to everyone, um, and I especially recommend it to anyone who wants to get into Saint Augustine um, because it is, like I said, very slim, and also uh, it's quite easy to read, and you will understand his philosophical and theological thought. But anyways, what I want to hopefully discuss towards the end of this is um, of this podcast is to argue that, um, yes, there is evil in the world, but on the same note, we are experiencing this trajectory towards God's um, infinitely perfect universe. Mm -hmm. So I guess I would have to um, disagree with uh, J.L. Mackey Mm -hmm. on several points. And, you know, that's philosophy. You know, when I I was taught as... um, a young philosopher that in philosophy, everyone's wrong, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter what, everyone's wrong. And it wouldn't be fun if everyone was right, you know, because there would be no room for argument. So the fun in philosophy um, is to acknowledge that you're wrong with what you're saying and people are going to argue against you. And that's, in my opinion, the funnest part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. I'm not familiar with the world of philosophy. I mean, I've read, like, small stuff, but um, literally, like, our whole conversation last time, you are kind of just, like, briefing me, giving me, like, a one-on-one on um, philosophy. And so I think that was great. And, I, I mean, I, I agree with you also. It's like I don't think J.L. Mackey is right. It's like I think all three of these can be true. You know, it's like God is omnipotent, God is holy good. And because obviously we look in the world and we see all the things that are going on, and it's just like, it not only like around me, like the world is like bad, but like in my own life too. Like I do things that it's like, man, this is, um, you know, messed up. And so it's like when I reason with that, it's like the good news is that like God speaks about it. Like he doesn't leave us high and dry about like what there is, like why is this the way it is? And like you were kind of joking last time when we were talking of like, since my like biblical worldview, it's like you said, like you have a verse for everything. And so, you know, it's just kind of like the way, like the way my worldview is just like short, like formed by the Bible. And so like when I think about like it, it's like, I think there can be like, so hopefully by the end of this, like, cause the idea is to trust God of like, how can we as like Christians come to like a firm understanding of like why there's like this evil and how God is still good in that. And so, yeah, I, I had one what from Christ and coronavirus. John Piper said that the secret of sorrowful yet always rejoicing is this, knowing that the same sovereignty that could stop the coronavirus yet doesn't is the very same sovereignty that sustains the soul in it. And so, yeah, I mean, we can um, keep talking. I don't want to go on a complete tangent, but I think that there is, God is completely wise in it. And um, yep. it's something we're going to have to wrestle with. And maybe in this conversation, we'll wrestle with it. But God being all wise allows evil to exist for a time. Yeah, yeah. So um, just quickly um, before um, we, because I think what we need to do now is how to define um, evil. Yes, that's um, the next Very step. difficult task. But before we get into that and before I offer my definition, um, I would like to uh, just give one final point on the importance of theology and why, um, and I will 
I think repeat myself towards the end um, is that theology is important because when someone like let's say I you ask me what my f- favorite flavor of ice cream is okay now this is not a tangent this is completely relevant yeah, but yeah. Um, and you'll see but let's say you ask me what my favorite flavor of ice cream is and then I tell you mint chocolate chip and then you ask me well what about mint chocolate chip makes you like it so much and I just say I don't know and then you're like okay is it the mint and I'll just be like I don't know and then you say well why do you like ice cream and then I'll just say I don't know I just like mint chocolate chip so what you're experiencing is is that I'm constantly committing this fallacy of begging the question I'm not backing up my Mm -hmm. argument why I like mint chocolate chip. Mm -hmm. Now let's put this in the context of the Christian faith. When, let's say, I ask you the question, why is there evil and suffering in the world? And you just say Jesus. Mm -hmm. Or you offer a little bit more and say Jesus is enough. And it's like, and then I'll ask you, okay, how is Jesus enough? What does Jesus do to make him enough to help us get over this obstacle of evil Mm -hmm. and suffering. That's theology. This interrogation of the Christian faith, its doctrine Mm -hmm. in Christ. Mm -hmm. So not to anticipate too much, um, I just really hope that I can get my message across, across, excuse me, that I want to urge all Christians to, yes, inquire into the Bible, but also use your reason that God granted you um, to theologically and philosophically critically examine the world around you. So with that stated, I guess you and I will now exercise this with the uh, problem of evil. Yeah. So if you don't mind me asking, what do you think evil is? Uh, I believe that evil is anything like contrary to God, you know, anything that does not love God, evil, um, doesn't want anything to do with God, and everything that, like the opposite of God. I know it's a vague answer, but yeah. Yeah, well, very good. And just like, as I said, um, defining evil is very difficult. It's one mm-hmm. of those things where you just, it's like God. You can't define mm-hmm. God no matter what, um, because it is by definition of the infinite to remain incomprehensible. Not saying that evil is infinite, but it's just, it shares the superficial quality of being difficult to define. So if you allow me, um, uh, I'll give a few examples of what evil is, which may help us uh, Mm -hmm. define evil. But before I get into that, I I want to address um, your past podcast. Yeah. On April 4th, you and I believe your sister, Mm -hmm. Sarah Ronald, Mm -hmm. uh, talked about pain and suffering. And I, um, she articulated a line from St. John, and and it is that when, when uh, in pain, one must pray and cry out to God. And one thing that I don't necessarily disagree with, but I'm cautious with is that the idea of pain and suffering during that 
podcast was very uh, domestic in mm-hmm. all due respect. Yeah. Um, because, you know, pain and suffering is so much more than what we experience right now. And on a further note, she, uh, I have a quote here from what she said, um, which is entirely re- relevant to the problem of evil. Um, she stated, through suffering and putting out your requests and making them known to God and treating prayer as something that acknowledges who he is and knowing that he hears us, end quote. And it is the last phrase that I want to focus on, mm-hmm. knowing that he hears us. Yeah. And the question is, with the problem of evil, is, um, is God really hearing us? You know, did God hear the millions of Jews in World War II crying and clawing the walls of gas chambers? Mm -hmm. Did God hear the wailing and crying of animals during the Australian wildfires? Did God hear George Floyd crying out for his mother and further crying out, I can't breathe? And on the, in the context of prayer, did God hear our prayers during this time? You know, and this is a shared topic called divine silence. J.L. Schellenberg mm-hmm. defines it. Yeah. And it, he argues that um, the silence that we experience from God is a revelation that God does not exist. And we experience this silence during the time of evil, um, most notably. Um, because of the literature, I believe, on World War II. And um, there's a New York Times article state that goes along the lines of, um, why was God silent during the Holocaust? You know, these, these things that we deem as evil, why is God silent? And um, now, in context of our current discussion, I think we can be justified in stating that COVID-19 is evil because it's leaving bedsides empty. Wives are losing husbands and husbands are losing wives. Wives are losing wives and husbands are losing husbands. Children are losing their parents. Um, There's empty seats at dinner tables and the pain that one goes through when they're very sick with COVID-19, you know, I, I think any sane person would, wouldn't want to be in that pain. You don't want to experience that. So I think we're completely justified in saying that the virus is something um, evil. So with those examples, I think that really helps us define what evil is. And now, um, and I'm sure you can um, extrapolate that further mm-hmm. to the problem of evil. Now that we have our essence of evil, let's mm-hmm. tie that into the problem of evil. So, um, and I believe you said this earlier, how can we trust God when there's this contrary element of COVID-19, which is deemed as evil? Mm-hmm. So before I get into my points, I just want to ask, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, it's hard because I mean, I know people, Specifically, and the difference, like the reason why people care about this question so much, because it hits home like every time. It's like, like ninety percent of the time, someone has a a close, not even just like Corona, but it's like just death in general of like the the reality of death, and it just hits home of like 
the question of like, does God not hear us? Is he not listening to me? And it's like kind of like when I've talked about this with people, they'll sometimes, a majority of the time, they'll just, like you said, hypothesize that like God is like like a watchmaker and you just let the watch create it and let it run. And like personally, like I don't believe that. I think he is, um, he meticulously rules over everything. And so like if, if that's the position I hold to, like I have to have like a reason for that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so... Um, yeah, so I don't know, that was um, a good definition of evil because it's hard. I mean, because like right now, I mean, we're having people around us. Like I know someone the other day that asked for prayers because his grandpa um, passed away from COVID. And um, I mean, it's just hitting like cases are going to spike. And um, so, yeah, um, that's pretty much all I had. And let's go back to World War Two. Yeah. Uh, World War Two was this epistemological breakthrough, particularly with let's just isolate um, this group, the soldiers walking into the war with God. And then if they're lucky enough to walk out, more than likely they walked out without God because of the horrible things they've experienced. And they're basically doing what we are um, doing right now and interrogating our faith, interrogating God. And like I said, I don't want to anticipate too much because that's sort of the final message I want to give at the end of this podcast but they are they did what if they were lucky to walk out of the war they they did what uh we are doing interrogating god and then coming to a conclusion themselves Hmm. so and um okay yeah i think i mean you had a good point i want to um bounce on that again of like from the fact of like when things like this happen God may be using it for us to, to shape our lives in some way that um, wouldn't have come, like, for example, like, if I don't doubt something, I might not come to a proper belief in it if I don't, like, have something that makes me, like, doubt it. And so it's, like, that's why, like, things like um, coronavirus, where, like, our faith, um, with which faith is essentially trust, our trust is shaken in God. And so, exactly. Yeah. And so that's one thing. Yeah, go ahead. And and let's remember what happened to Christ Mm on the cross. Um, I know last week we were discussing how biblically fluent you are. So you were going to um, carry me with the um, pieces of scripture. Mm -hmm. But today I have something to uh, state in that let's remind remind ourselves of, of Christ on the cross where, and, and this is written in Matthew 27, 46, at the ninth hour, Christ mm-hmm. called out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Mm-hmm. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Christ felt forsaken. Christ felt betrayed by his father, God, Yahweh. He felt betrayed by this omnipotent being because he suffered grievously on the cross. And that just puts into perspective that we have this divine creature from God, the son of God, who experiences what, or experienced, shall I say, what we're doing right now. Mm. This feeling of forsakenness, this feeling of betrayal. Christ shared, or the soldiers shared, 
the feeling that Christ had, the trail from God. Mm-hmm. So that just goes, that just um, shares some, mm. I, I think, some more perspective on what we're dealing with. Yeah. The question I think now that we're dealing with, um, I'm saying that a lot, but the question that we're um, wrestling with is how do we handle the evil that we're facing right now? Now, keep in mind, there's also a lot of evil. I'm sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, I think I just wanted to add real quick of, um, I, I, I'm about to hit the same thing you are, I think, but it's like, and I'm so glad you brought that up because Jesus experienced the ultimate rejection, like absolute like cosmic separation from God. And like he experienced like all the wrath of God um, for our sin um, so that we could become the righteousness of God, you know, and so that we could be made right in God's sight and be accepted. He experienced that. Um, so we wouldn't have to ultimately, but then the question is that it comes to is like, oh, I think you're, you're alluding to this of like Christians only are this and like, they look to like the sweet by and by, you know, but not the here and now, like God doesn't care about like the here and now. And that's the question I think that you were about to bring up. So yeah, you can, um, um, yeah. So, and like just now we are dealing with this, what we just uh, deemed as evil, the, uh, the coronavirus. Um, and we gave our reasons as to why we think it evil. And um, one thing that I think we are wrestling with right now for this podcast and that I urge all uh, listeners to consider is how do we handle this evil in context of our faith? Um, your sister, I believe, said that we should get on our knees and pray because this is just a paraphrase Mm -hmm. get on our knees and pray because god will hear us but i think it should be more than that because i think you should you know grab the hands of god when you're praying but jerk back a little Mm -hmm. you know and ask interrogate god why is this happening and don't interrogate i think in a vindictive way you know that's just you shouldn't interrogate anyone in a vindictive way because that's just rude. But <laughs> yeah, you you interrogate God because as Augustine writes, it's faith seeking understanding. You're seeking understanding from God as to why um, this virus um, is here and why it's claiming so many lives of humans, God's creatures mm-hmm. created in his image as the Hebrew Bible writes. Um, and so I think I want to deliver an, uh, an argument, if you will let me, yeah. um, as why we are experiencing this evil. And J.L. Mackey, I believe, he, he writes on this briefly, um, but he does um, not give a full account on it, I believe. I, I would have to revisit the article and read it a little bit more thoroughly. Um, but one thing that we need to understand is that God, by definition, is omnipotent, um, omnibenevolent. You know, he's infinite in so many positive things, right? And being that God is infinite, we have to inquire what uh, this nature of an infinite being, we have to inquire into its nature. And so one thing I want to address is that God is outside of time. You know, we we experience time, you know, um, I believe it's, uh, 
Oh, the uh, astrophysicists, um, very Neil deGrasse Tyson. He, he states that, you know, time is like a prison cell. We're always stuck in the present and we're moving rapidly from the past to the future and we're stuck in the present. We can't go back to the past and we can't go to the future. But God is not bound in that prison cell. Um, God is also not strictly in the present. He is infinitely in the present, I, I, uh, I guess I will say. And St. Augustine um, writes of this as well. And being that God is not bound by time, I want to argue briefly that because of this condition, um, God has already created a perfect universe in his infinite wisdom and in his infinite power. He has already created a perfect universe. We have just yet to experience it. And I don't think you and I will experience it. Um, as living beings living in this perfect universe, let's just hypothesize a bit mm-hmm. and enter. But we are just an epoch, a very minute epoch of this trajectory driving towards God's perfect universe. And unfortunately, in our time, we are dealing with the horrible, horrible evil that we experienced in the past and that we are experiencing in the present right now. Hmm. Yeah. Um, And like, I think when I'm just like thinking about it and trying to like wrestle with it, it comes back to like this evil like of the world that's like I would say it's corrupted you know like he says she's like we we want to experience this like we have these longings for good relationships and it's like um it's like on on my best days I still can't love even my closest friends and so it's like how in the world am I able like where's this like perfect world that's like going to come and it's like I mean the bible says there will be a new heaven and a new earth and so I think it's like when it, what is when it comes to like what has happened, it's just this world has been corrupted. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And like in Romans, it says like none is good, no, not one. All have um, turned and gone astray, and like we just create like our own image of God in our heads. So it's like God doesn't like even like really owe us anything. It's like if like we are like corrupt, you know. Uh, if that makes sense of like God doesn't like owe us like like a, a new like you know a new heaven and a new earth and like all like restored because like really we deserve like um, damnation but what really just like sets you back on like the goodness of God is like while we were still in our sin Christ died for us and so um, yeah I'm sorry that might be a little bit of a tangent but I thought I would add it like with your um, yeah yeah, it's not a tangent at all, and mm-hmm. you said something particularly interesting, and I and I want to ask for um, if you could rephrase um, a brief um, sentence you said. Um, did you state that um, we are corrupt, we as in humans? Mm-hmm. Did you, did you yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. And um, Saint Athanasius, um, before Saint uh, Augustine of Hippo, um, touched based on this and. Um, St. Augustine sort of carried this idea further. And the idea is that um, we get the 
first humans, Adam and Eve, although it's argued that um, the first humans are not Adam and Eve, that they are um, the kin of Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve were created in this divine um, sanctuary. Um, so, but anyways, that's a tangent. Yeah, sure. But, um, if we just entertain the idea that Adam and Eve are the first humans, and when they were created, their eyes were calibrated to look towards God. And they were looking towards truth, solely looking towards truth, solely looking towards Yahweh. That's written in the Hebrew Bible and Genesis. You and I both know that. Um, but then we get this um, first sin, this notion of the first sin that um, St. Augustine touches base on. And J.L. Mackey writes on this as well, um, discussing, I believe, free will. But anyways... Um, St. Augustine writes that our eyes were once calibrated towards God, mm -hmm. nothing else. But then because of the first sin committed by Eve and then by Adam, we are now bound to, not necessarily bound, but we're open to not look towards God. We are open towards looking towards our own shadow, uh, which thus, you know, sparks evil. Um, and the only way I believe St. Augustine writes to this in his On the Grace of Free Will is to practice this virtue that is seeking wisdom. And by seeking wisdom, we seek truth. Um, and he writes, I believe, truth with a capital T because no surprise, truth is God. So that's one way we can um, sort of recalibrate our eyes, but... Um, not to dive further into the human condition, um, we witness with past theologians, um, particularly with the saints, and like I said at the beginning, this is a very Catholic perspective, but <laughs> um, particularly with the saints, they interrogated um, God because there are just things that we cannot understand. And I believe it was Bishop Justice who wrote to King Edwin, um, and you get this account in uh, Bede's Ecclesiastical History, um, that Bishop Justice states that the infinite motions and decisions are just incomprehensible. We'll never be able to verbalize it, just to paraphrase, if you let me. Mm -hmm. And so that leads to, you know, if we want to practice searching for truth, we have to, you know, interrogate, wrestle with hard questions. And uh, I know I'm speaking a lot. Um, no, it's fine. And I apologize. But um, at least I was taught that Christianity is this relationship with God. Mm. You know, you want to be friends with God and God wants to be friends with you. And um, to provide a strong analogy, Jordan Peterson, are you familiar with Jordan Peterson? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The clinical psychologist and philosopher, you know, as much as I disagree with him politically, I do agree with him on this one point. And that is this, um, idea of a strong marriage or a strong relationship. And he states that a strong relationship, um, is one that has arguments, one that has fighting, 
Because if you're not fighting, if you're not arguing, then you're not communicating. You have a weak relationship. And to carry that in context with faith, with Christianity, you know, if you're not interrogating, if you're not asking these tough questions, you're not communicating with God, at least in a very mm, consistent way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I think I think he's definitely on to something with that. But there was a verse I wanted to, to mention in Ephesians 1, um, 11 through 14. So in Christ we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Something that we can like hold on to in this is like his like ultimate wisdom in evil. It's not only the sweet and by and by, but part of it is like the Holy Spirit, which is like kind of just like the, the foretaste of like what, what is to come. It's like we can have that right now. Like something that I think about, like why, like what God would allow this evil. I have a part-time job with the football team at ISU. So I will record the practices um, a couple times a week. And last year during a game, it was extremely cold, like very, it was like sleeting almost. And since the other people I was filming with were inexperienced, like I was the only one doing the whole practice or the whole game. So I'm out there and games go a little bit longer. So I was outside um, just standing, not moving around and like the rain was literally going like sideways, like towards me, like into the camera. And um, I stood out there for about three hours, freezing cold, probably the coldest I've ever been in my life and just so cold. And um, the whole time, like I had a verse going through my head, but it was because the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. My lips will praise you. The point I'm getting at is like when I finished this, the next time I felt the sun, I just enjoyed it so much. Like I just couldn't get enough and I just couldn't, I just can't forget how bad recording that practice was or that game because it was, it was just so terrible. So now whenever like I experience the sun, I realize how good it is and just how much I enjoy it because the memory of the terrible game is just so great in my mind. And so I think in the same way, almost of like, when we have this terrible thing that is going on, it's like the memory of it is going to be so great that in heaven, we just can't forget how much Christ has done and like making us like, you know, perfect, like in his full, like fully taking on our sin and um, dying for us. I think it's just like going to be so prominent. So I think that's like part of like God and his wisdom, like allowing sin to be take place in order to like cherish him more. Um, But yeah, any thoughts on that or? Yeah. So if I understand your um, argument, um, J.L. Mackey addresses this argument under the um, section called Fallacious Arguments, and which is a title I just want to briefly <laughs> cover real quick. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the theist arguments, a lot of theistic arguments um, beg the question. They mm-hmm. require more, you know, and it's sort of the job of the theologian, mm-hmm. and I'm hopeful that I can be part of this professional field, which is why I'm, you know, uh, applying to a lot of uh, doctorate programs for theology, but nonetheless, it's the job of the theologian 
to uh, provide these arguments, to argue for God, mm-hmm. you know. And um, my thoughts, um, if I understand your um, argument, is that this evil that we're facing is a step towards greater good. Yeah, and that's what he talks about in the argument. Yeah, as a fallacious, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's fallacious in a way because um, it's it covers, you know, this basic answer um, or this basic question as to, okay, if, and this is just imagine me as an atheist, um, uh, respectively, arguing against you, is that I would ask, okay, if God is all-powerful mm-hmm. um, and all-wise, why won't he accelerate the process so we don't have to deal with this um, evil. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's the job of the theologian to discover that sort of truth. And a lot of theologians provide a lot of different arguments from all different types of denominations, Anglican, Catholic, um, Protestant, you know, whatnot. And um, so is that what you're trying to get at? Yeah, I think in short, I would say that I think so when I read the article, I was like, I don't know if I necessarily, like, because I think that, like, when it comes to me, when I, like, have to deal with, like, this evil, that's the conclusion that I tend up to hold on to as, like, what is going to get me by of, like, this evil is not only, like, it's, like, not meant to be, but it's also, like, for a purpose. Like, it's serving a certain purpose in my life, and God, like, I don't know what it necessarily is, but I know that there's like, it's like serving like a greater, it's, it's like not meaningless. I think that's like when you say it's like meaningless, then it's like, it almost makes it worse. Like if someone in my family was like hit by a car and someone told me it's like, oh, it's like meaningless. I think it like almost gives us some type of something to hold on to like we see. Um, and I, I think it's in Second Corinthians Okay, and you know, just so you know, Dane, you are talking very mm-hmm. much like a uh, theologian who has interest in um, theological ethics, mm-hmm. um, and not to go down the rabbit hole, but it's um, atheist ethics versus um, Christian ethics. The main argument is which one is bankrupt. Mm-hmm. That um, can we have objectively um, right? ethics, I believe, or if I'm wording that correctly, without God. Mm -hmm. Um, So which side is bankrupt? I'm not sure why they choose the word bankrupt, but it's (laughs) like, like you said, with, on our side, we have something to hold on to and that's God. But if you engage with atheistic ethics, you know, um, the question is, you know, why are your atheistic objectively good things good? You know, there has to be more, you know, and that's a fallacy. They're begging the question. You know, they're saying like, oh, it's uh, ethics X is good because it's good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, <laughs> how is this good? Sure. Because I can do the same thing, you know, not even as a Christian and say, well, ethics Y is better. Mm-hmm. So let's just pursue that because it's good. I can provide the same argument mm-hmm. that begs the question. So I just wanted to let you know that you're speaking like a, like a, um, theologian and um i believe it's um oh yeah john cobb he he writes that all christians are already theologians Mm -hmm. some people disagree with that i disagree with it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah Yeah. so anyway carrying on huh 
Yeah, I, I found the verse. It's in Second Corinthians four seventeen. It says, "For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison." And I think just like when I read that, it just like floors me that, I mean, for for a couple of things that it's, it says it's a light momentary affliction. Like we think this is like long, like, you know, it's been almost like a year in quarantine. Uh, not, not, not quite, but it's been a while. And it's saying like this affliction and a lot of this affliction isn't even like passive. Like this, this, what we're experiencing, like isn't it's like kind of like a passive, but sometimes it's like some Christians are being persecuted for what they believe in. And that's like kind of like an active of like, I'm going to step out in faith to, and I'm going, and you may experience this. And so, um, but he calls it light. And so it just like brings it into perspective of like this, this, the glory that is found like in Christ. And um, yeah, he, he says it's beyond all comparison. So it's just something that, came into mind so concisely answer for me if you will when i Mm -hmm. ask you this question um how do you trust god bro um with that argument like how do you trust god from your point of view yeah i think um my point of view is that no matter if it is like no matter how terrible the situation is there is a, a grace to sustain us in it I think I just come to Paul as an example of like in his like all the stressors he had in his life. He worried for, you know, the churches that he was, uh, uh, you know, trying to establish, you know, he's trying to keep these healthy churches. And it's like it's kind of like riding on the Christian faith. It's like there's he's kind of I mean, everyone looks up to him and you also have like everything he's experiencing physically and emotionally and just like day after day. And, like, this is the thing that, like, he gives us is, like, as, like, an apostle, as someone, like, like, a speaker of God's word that's, like, been, like, I guess you could say, like, appointed by Christ because it's, like, you know, Christ stopped him and said, like, this is your purpose. It's, like, this is what he's telling us about the way to look at it. So, um, yeah, to answer your question in short, I would say it's just, like, the faith that it's not saying it's not bad. Like, it's not saying, like, what you're going through isn't bad, because it is. But he's saying, in comparison, in reality, it's not much compared to how greater this other thing is. And so it just kind of puts it in, in like, a perspective of, like, though what I'm going through seems big, it's not as nearly as big as this glory that is, like, waiting, you know? Yeah, yeah. And um, if I may offer how I um, trust God during this time in context of the um, evil virus, if um, we will call it that because we um, discussed how and justified how the uh, virus can be deemed as evil, how I would trust God is to, well, first interrogate God. And that's what I urge um, the listeners of this podcast to do and i don't think there's you know nothing wrong with interrogating god because let's remember what christ yelled at the ninth hour in saint matthew's gospel Mm -hmm. and and further you know it's take a step beyond your domestic pain and suffering and understand the worldly 
pain and suffering that's going on in God's world and God's universe. Because as Stephen Fry, this very outspoken atheist and friends with um, atheist uh, critic um, Christopher Hitchens, yeah, Stephen Fry said, and I addressed this last week, Stephen Fry said, how can I um, espouse or champion a God that uh, has bugs in this world that uh, implant a parasite into a child's eye mm-hmm. and it makes them blind? And then he was asked, um, when you get to the pearly gates, what will you ask God? And Stephen Fry said, bone cancer in children. What's that all about? Mm-hmm. You know, And it's that kind of interrogation that I really urge a lot of, well, all Christians to do. Because, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm summing up my, yeah. my point. Um, it is through this interrogation where one can come to, uh, broadly speaking, uh, one of two conclusions. One, to not believe in God. Or two, have more trust in God. Mm-hmm. Have more faith in God through this interrogation. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't ask for more. Then it's like, that's at the end of the day, it's like, that's what we want to happen. We want our faith, our trust in God to increase and to take, you know, greater steps and obedience. So I'm, I'm glad you said that. I think with Christopher Hitchens too, um, I haven't read any of him, but I know he's like one of the most outspoken atheists. But what he does, he's like, he equates human suffering with God's unrighteousness. You know, he says like, if he gets to the pearly gates and asks God's like, why, why bone? But he's like, he just doesn't take into account that just because there's human suffering, like it doesn't mean that God is unrighteous. And it's, yeah, and we've talked about this uh, earlier, but it's in some way or form, like, I don't, like, we don't know how, but it's like, somehow, because of Satan, we don't know how we fell. You know, it's like, the Bible doesn't really say, it's like, because of his jealousy, but like, this is a question I don't know, and like, I think the biggest theologians don't know, like, where did the first sin come from? We're not even gonna, like, tap on that, because I don't know, so. Yeah, another podcast, maybe. Yeah, maybe another time, but at the end of the day, it's like, God is not, like, associated with evil in any sort of way and so it's like to say that suffering is because of like god being unrighteous isn't like a good thing um i I would believe it's a fallacy you know it's false to believe that but um yeah yeah and yeah to go on about christopher hitchens real Mm -hmm. quick and atheist writers i also urge a lot of christians to to put it bluntly educate themselves, educate themselves not only on the doctrine that they uh, perhaps follow, but explore atheistic writers. Mm -hmm. I think Christopher Hitchens is a fantastic start because he was a journalist and he, I believe, writes like a journalist. He doesn't write like a philosopher or Mm -hmm. write, or he doesn't write like a scientist like um, Richard Dawkins. Um, And I think that's, uh, I think, comforting in a way because you can just sit down and see this point of view, this atheistic point of view, because that's being, that's part of being enlightened. That's studying the other side. That's part of interrogating your, um, your faith. That's part of this interrogation, you know, looking towards, um, the, what the other side has to say, because Christopher Hitchens, I believe he says this calls Jesus Christ, a, a Saddam Hussein, because, you know, they, they use atheistic 
authors, like you said, equate human suffering to God's unrighteousness. And I think I would have to disagree as well, because as, like I said, as what St. Augustine writes, is that God is not associated with evil. It's just this negative in this world. And mm-hmm. um, as St. Augustine concludes, evil is just inexistent. And that's a point that J.L. Mackey brings up is that um, one way to steer off this problem of evil is to espouse that evil is inexistent. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think so that's how I yeah. would um, trust God. I'm sorry. No, but that's how on. I would trust God hmm. is to interrogate God. Hmm. God, why is there people dying from this virus? You know, and Slavoj Zizek, um, Slovenian philosopher, would perhaps argue against me because he calls it in his recent um, text, the virus is stupid. But he doesn't mean like stupid, I guess, in a like an intel yeah well i guess but he means stupid in a way that is that the virus is doing what the virus is doing it's, mm-hmm. it's doing what it's meant to do it's pursuing its teleological function um but i would argue from a theistic stance that it is a creation from god which leads me mm-hmm. to question god why would you create this thing that is slaying so many humans. Mm-hmm. And at least for me, I'm not pursuing the former conclusion that I brought up that um, I will state that God is inexistent. Rather, I would per, uh, pursue the latter conclusion, which is that I can build more faith and trust into God. Mm. It goes on to say, you know, like as Jordan Peters, Peterson stated, that um, a good relationship is one with fighting and arguments, mm-hmm. you know, because you're communicating. And that's essentially what I'm doing. I'm yeah. arguing and fighting against God. I'm wrestling with mm-hmm. my faith. Yes. So. And that's like perfect as far as like, in like taking it home, like, cause we're kind of coming close to an application, I would assume of like, this is how you can do it is like to ask questions and interrogate. And I think, um, as we start to sum up, I want to share something of what my interrogation has led to, like what my personal interrogation of God and, um, you know, this to sin in general and just the way the reality of the world is. And so I think because like for right now, for me, like coronavirus is bad, but I have other things in my life that are, um, I would say that grieve me more than coronavirus, which is just because I'm a selfish person. Um, I, (laughs) that's the way it is. But so I think one thing out of my questioning that's happened, I've, there's a verse in Lamentations 3, 32 through 33. It says, though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love, for he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. So Lamentations is one of the most depressing books of the Bible. Babylon has destroyed Jerusalem. So they're in utter destruction. Like people were sacrificing their children Jeremiah mourns and he wants them to return to God. And so Jeremiah writes this. He's referred to as the weeping prophet because he was so sad. And so Christopher Wright says that lamentation can be read as a struggle to find the justice of God in the face of extreme suffering. In this sense, it is a protest against what God has done, but it is a protest that ultimately accepts both God's sovereignty and his righteous wrath. So, and this is what you're saying. You're saying the same thing of like, we should in some way, when something like this, it would be unnatural for us not 
to protest almost, you know? And so as we bring our protest to God, you can see that he has this ultimate, like, love that, like, it's, and also there's a promise in this verse. The promise is, he says, he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. It's like, it's not God's heart to afflict us. That's not what he's about. His tendency is towards love and mercy towards his children. And it's in the book, Gentle and Lowly, it talks about, this is the heart of Christ for us. It quotes, it says, his unnatural work is justice, but his natural work is love. It's like his tendency is more towards love and mercy. And uh, at the same time, like it wouldn't be good for him not to be just, but his natural work towards us is love. Um, so that's kind of where I've gone in my wrestling. Um, yeah. 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 And, um, uh, in, um, the Hebrew Bible when in Exodus, I failed to have the exact, um, chapter in line, but in Exodus in the Hebrew Bible, when Moses, um, I believe he asks, uh, Yahweh, what do I call you? And, um, Yahweh responds, I am what I am. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I write this and I'm sort of tooting my own horn here. I write, I wrote this um, fantastic essay called um, Every Man, The Silence of God and the Human Response from a Thomist Lens. And I um, close the entire paper with that piece of scripture. Hmm. Because I think what I think it expresses, what Yahweh expresses, is that I am what I am and you cannot comprehend what I am. So I'll just say, essentially, this, I am what I am. This infinite, gigantic, incomprehensible being. And for me, it humbles me. You know, it humbles me as a young academic, a young Christian, a young theologian, as I like to call myself, when I uh, introduce myself (laughs) to um, potential professors. Um, Um. It humbles me. It reminds me that I am a finite mm-hmm. creature created by this infinite creature. And, and um, to me, this leads to what faith is. Faith is not this ascertaining of what God is. Faith is our reflections on God and having faith, trusting our reflections on God. Because mm-hmm. we will never come to a point where we can say God is X with 100% ground. I strongly do not believe that. Because like I said, a finite creature is supposed to remain beneath an infinite creature. It is by definition what infinite means. So that's just one thing that um, comforts me and humbles me, like I said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is humbling. And in a real sense, we can stand before this infinite being and with confidence not on our own work, but because of the work of another, um, Jesus Christ. And I mean, that's like, that's like a great confidence. Like this, I can't like fully like, you know, books and books, millions of books. You can't even have enough ink in the ocean to write a, a book about who God is. But it's like somehow in some way, um, because of the death of Christ and his resurrection, we can stand before him in complete confidence, um, because he has taken that from us. So, yeah, I don't have a ton else. Um, if you have any other um, comments you'd like to make, I'd love to hear.
hear them? No, I, I don't. I think we've covered everything. I think um, I've covered things that I've uh, wanted to state at the beginning of the uh, podcast. Um, so, yeah, I think I think I said what I needed to say. Hmm. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, I really have enjoyed this episode. There's been a lot here that, that we've talked about. And so I think it would be good if anyone listening just takes some time to maybe write down Uh, something that stood out to you, maybe a verse or a quote. And just to meditate on that, I think it'd be helpful. But yeah, I'm thankful for Holden. I mean, he's really helped me um, grow in certain ways. And yeah, any any other comments you'd like to make? Um, Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope um, listeners of this podcast, particularly um, Christian listeners, will uh, take my advice and aspire to interrogate um, their master, which happens to be God. I hope they really take my advice because um, I, I, I sincerely believe it will build more faith. It'll build more trust. Yeah. It's amazing. All right. That's, that's how you trust God, God bro. Yeah.